You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Jesus calls each of us to love our enemies. Know more about this truth in this message by Pastor John Del Rosario. I have the privilege of uh, introducing our brand new series, a uh, four-week series that we are entitling, I Wish Jesus Didn't Say That. Right? Now, it's a very authentic uh, expression. Now, if you're, if you're a Christian, uh, you're probably starting off in this Christian walk, or you have uh, started Christianity a long time ago, you have had this thought at one time or another. Reading scripture, there are many things that you would say, if this were out of the equation, life would be so much easier. We're here, here where we live in the Philippines, this book, the Bible is widely accepted as the Word of God. Well, there are many Christians all over the world, Christians or none, that would accept that this is a really good book. A good book that has a lot of wisdom, all the more so for Christians like uh, most of us here tonight. So many of you, if you have something like this, hopefully you are highlighting it. I've, I've had a friend who had, just to tell you about this series, setting it up before we go into the first week, uh, highlighting, uh, the, highlighting is one of the things that my friend really loves to do. So much that this Bible already looks like a coloring book. He has many, uh, he, he would wake up early in the morning and then grabs a handful of uh, uh, pencils or highlighters in, in his hand. So he's reading and then turning the pages and then highlighting. Green is for, for, for finances and orange is for the now word and, and pink or red are the warnings. You, you know how it goes. And then I, 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 I joked about this with him. I said, uh, be careful not to use the black one. Hey, because you're, you're going to be crossing out important words that are the words of God. And then he said, can I be honest with you? I'm his group leader. Uh, sure, uh, we're Christian. Okay, so um, if I just highlighted, I wish I had a black highlighter because some of these things are tough. Some of these things are hard. It would be so much easier if these, weren't out of, uh, th- these were out of the equation. There was actually a more high-profile person uh, than my friend who actually did this. Um, he actually he didn't use a pencil pen. He used a pair of scissors. And this is uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, the American president, a long, long time ago. What he did was, whether, whether um, for, for, for reasons that we do not know, whether that be, we, all we know is that it's subjective. Either he didn't like them or he didn't believe that Jesus could have said those things. He put, collated them together and actually released a book. He, this is also known as the Jefferson Bible, but this is the title that you can find in Amazon. It's not scripture anymore. Um, he was kind enough to put uh, something of a disclaimer there, uh, extracted textually from the Gospels. May I submit to you that this is not something that we should do. It's not like a buffet that we can get uh, anything that we, we want to eat. Growing up, uh, there are many dishes, Filipino dishes that I grew up. You know what, what pinakbet is? I would ask my mom, Mom, could you cook pinakbet for me? I love pinakbet. Then she would cook the pinakbet, but I don't eat okra, I don't eat eggplant, I don't eat ampalaya. All I would eat are the string beans, the sitaw. And this, I should have just cooked you string beans. I mean, you're just setting everything, everything aside. But it's not going to be pinakbet because I love the sauce. Okay? So it, this is not the sort of thing Christianity is that you s- sort of choose and pick what you like. It's not a buffet. We need to embrace it all. There's a, there's a scripture passage I want to share with you. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105. You're l- talking about the Word of God. The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Have you ever tried climbing mountains? Mount Makulot. Have you ever done? 
or a grade, grade. In, in my in my younger years, I climb mountains. You know Mount Makulot? Okay? Sobrang tarek, sobrang eroded, kukulot daw buhok mo. So, sobrang hirap. Okay? We tried climbing this. It's barely a mountain. It's technically a hill. We climbed this at night. And I had a, mug la- a, a flashlight with me. And I tried closing that light. And I can't see my hand before my, before my face. It, it's like be one missed step without this thing. Okay? It, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be a goner. Okay? Um, I, uh, basically, my whole life depended on me not losing that flashlight. The word is like that also. It helps us understand our situation. It guides us okay, and protects us along our way. Me using that flashlight, it just, uh, I was j- just barely one step from rolling down all the way to Los Baños. Okay? So the word is like that and it, it is good uh, for us and all of it is good. Can you say all of it? Absolutely all of it. But scripture uh, was written to a particular culture, not to our culture. So the closer that we can get to the situation of that particular culture and we understand the impact of those words speak, spoken to them, the better it is that we can get, the more accurate that we can get the applications that we can ap- apply to where we are and what we're going through. Thus, our series. Let me tell you, if you're, if you're like me and you're picking food, these are, f- these are food that are, are ampalayas and, and, uh, and talong and liver. But these are all great things. These are good for us. And I pray, I wish Jesus didn't say that. It's really a, uh, uh, yes, it's an authentic, it's very a, re- a, a real expression. But on one end, it's another, it's, it's an, uh, what, what do you call this? Uh, it's, an, it's an immature thought. If you are a Christian, you should embrace everything that Jesus said. I pray that before, not just before, after, after the whole series, after each and every message that you would say, I'm glad Jesus said that. One of the things, week one, we're going to be discussing this tonight. This is going to be good. I love it. Every one of you is cringing already. Love your enemies. All right. If you had a seatbelt on, you probably buckled up already. Week two, that's next week, sell all you have. I pray that uh, we wouldn't be any less packed because it's, we're going to be talking about, among other things, material possessions and money. It's going to be great. One of the one of the things that can easily knock Jesus off, off of the throne that is rightfully his, money. It's the enemy that he called out. Number three, hate your family. It talks about priorities, spoken to a culture, but surely we can glean something that, we can, that can be helpful to us Christians in 2015. And lastly, week four, you will be persecuted. It's really the promise no one wants, but if you're a Christian, not that you should pray for it, but you should expect it and be prepared to respond in a way before a watching world, for the glory of God. Right? So that's our series. Um, I pray, are you excited for this series? I'm really excited for this series. Let me tell you, I, I pray that this won't be unfair at all. A lot of the things that we hear from Scripture, it's, like, it's not really good for us. It's like drinking toilet water. No matter how... I, I, have, a, I have a better picture, but in, in my love for you, I didn't put it up because you're going to eat dinner. Okay? But... If you're playing basketball, we're a basketball nation, and you forgot your litro of water or Coke, whatever the case may be, and there's just a toilet bowl there. You, you're not going to eat that at any cost. because It's not going to be good for you, right? But this is what we eat when we listen to, to culture on how we should go about our finances. Everybody's doing it. Why can't you? This is how you go about relationships, and marriage is just a paper. Uh, toilet water can be good for you. We listen to this because we don't know what what is around, what is available to us, namely Scripture. 
I think God is so thoughtful that he would write something like this, using 40 different people over 1,600 years to write this for us. It's not about us, it's for us. It's about him who loves us enough to give us something like this to guide us. And hopefully this series, you would see what the designer of all, the creator of all, would have intended for everything that we're going to be talking about. I pray that this be exciting for us, and I pray that you not only benefit, but your household as well, and the society around you would as well. I wish Jesus didn't say that. That's our series. Let's get on to week one. Our, our first topic today is love our enemies. Okay? And a lot of you have just put your... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Some of you just... The smile just went out of your face. I'm just playing with you. Okay? I, honestly, I really don't think God cares who wins. I think he's more, uh, he's more looking at how people, Christians particularly, are able to push that reset button and saying, you know what, this is just a game. This is just a match and how you respond regardless of what happens. But, hey, may the best man win. Just looking at uh, what your ex- expressions are going to be. Love your enemies. Hey? If you're honest, this doesn't make sense. This is, a, this is not a natural emotional response. Whoever says... Whatever you do to me, it's okay. I love it. Nobody ever says that. It's, an, it's not a natural tendency. So what does make sense to us? Retaliation. Getting even. Putting justice into our own hands. And if you're honest, it makes us feel, feel good as well. Retaliation. But there's something in you. I think it's Ecclesiastes 3.11. God put eternity in your heart saying to you, this isn't the, most, the best way. This isn't pleasant at all but what can we do hearing culture listening to culture we don't have any other choice good thing we're talking about it tonight and hopefully the holy spirit would speak even through weak words to minister to us meet us where we are love your enemies there's a a um we're going to be reading a a a line later in the passage I, i picked for you um if if someone slaps you on on your cheek turn the other to this person. What is this? Does it really mean what we think it means? Is it something that says we need to tolerate injustice? Is this really what it is? We'll talk about that tonight. Uh, You know Romans 12 verse 17, do not repay evil for evil. And us Filipinos, um, sorry for our foreigner friends, let me just use this uh, thing uh, to to discuss the culture. Uh, We have a a joke that's not really a joke. Um, if someone throws a stone at you, you throw what? Bread. You don't repay evil for evil. Okay, kung binatokan ng tinapay, batuhin mo nang at pag binatokan ng bato, batuhin mo nang tinapay. Lagay mo sa jar. <laughs> okay, ibala mo sa kanyon. <laughs> Di ba? We're laughing, but this yeah, right. Buting as kanya. Di ba? Something in us our in 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 inward most parts are agreeing with this. This is what needs to happen. Batohin ka ng tinapay, uh, ng bato, batohin mo ng tinapay, sinlaki ng kotse. Or something. Okay? Retaliation. Everything in us agrees for lack of a, a better alternative. You following with me? Listening to culture, this is what we get. Even the classics. There's a classic, The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay? It's an elaborate revenge story. I mean, so many people involved so, so classic that so many movies, more than you, 
even realize, you didn't even realize that that particular series or movie was based on this. One series that uh, some of you might be familiar with is Revenge. I think it's about revenge. (laughs) I just have a feeling that it's about revenge. Uh, What what comes around, what goes around, comes around. Quentin Tarantino uh, came up with Kill Bill, Volume 1, Volume 2. You have too much revenge going on. You just need two two films uh, to to express himself. Mel Gibson, payback. Payback. He has a lot of material possessions. They took it from him. You need to pay me back my money. This next guy doesn't have money. What he does have is a very particular set of skills. And he will find you. And he will kill you. If you, if you, if, if you want someone to take revenge on you, you pick the wrong man. And this is my favorite. Maximus uh, Decimus Meridius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Gladiator. I have the extended version as well. 40 minutes more revenge. Okay? And there's a part in the film, are you not entertained? Obviously we are. So many blockbusters about the revenge. Revenge is entertaining. Revenge makes us feel good. I don't know if this is about revenge, but die hard with a vengeance. I just have a feeling that this is about revenge as well. And you'd, you'd be surprised. Some, mo- some movies are about revenge as well. And it's creeping up, up, up everything for, for all ages. Big Hero 6 is about revenge, if you really think about it. Wait, I'm not saying that these are movies that a Christian should not watch. We're not in a position to say that. Some of these are my, my favorites even. Hey, my wife and I love watching movies. What I am saying is, that's why we think this way. It's because we are inundated with this. It's just retaliation. It's something that we just accept na ganun eh. Ganun talaga eh. What you gonna do? Love your enemies. Every one of us, and every single one of us have had someone hurt us badly in the past. Every single one of us will have somebody hurt you very badly in the future. You can take that to the bank. Every one of us will experience this. Every one of us will have natural reactions, anger, indifference, wanting to bring justice into our own hands. We're pretty much helpless about this. Because what are you going to do? Knowing that this is not the best way, despite being convinced that this is not the most pleasant way, there's no other way. We're going to be talking about that other way. What are Christians, like us, most of us, are to do with these feelings? If you're honest, Probably going, going here, driving here, finding parking here. You've felt some of these feelings, if you're honest. What are we to do with these emotions? Is there anything that we can do? Do you want to, to, to hear about the answers to these questions? Yes. Okay, uh, we have two people here. Anybody else? <laughs> if you are, could you stand on your feet, please? We'll, we'll read from Scripture this evening. We'll be reading from Matthew 5. Verses 21 to 47, this is the area of Scripture that uh, had been called the the Sermon on the Mount. Let me read it for you. We're going to be reading from verse 21 to 47. We're not going to be reading all of it, but I do suggest that you would read this particular block. And uh, it's it's one of the most amazing sermons ever given of of all all time. I'm just going to give you three sub-passages that will correspond to the three points that we're going to be discussing tonight. Let me read verse 21 for you. You have heard that it was said, you shall, not, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. 
But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Let's jump to verse 38. You have heard it said. You have heard that it was said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Last jump. Verse 43. You have heard that it, it is said, you've heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And these next two passages I just added because it flows well, makes us think how different really are we as Christians from the rest of culture. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, you, do not even the tax collectors or the sinners do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, and I believe that this is the question that God wants to issue to us tonight, what more are you doing than others? How different are you from the prevailing culture? Can we pray? God, thank you that you are a God who meets us at the point of our need. Thank you that through your scripture, you give to us something that not, can, can not only save us, but can sustain us. It's something that orients us of our goal, helps us understand our own situation, and protects us on our way. God, as we talk about these things, I pray for hearts that would be open, and minds that would understand, so that we can apply it to our lives, so that we can live lives that are worthy of your gospel. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you take your seats, please? <clears throat> like I said, we, we took this section from what the Bible uh, has, has called it to be the Sermon on the, on the Mount. And this is one of the first public appearances of Jesus as he had started his public ministry. Matthew 5, um, when he was tempted by the, by the devil 40 days, 40 nights, um, he, he immediately came to the synagogue, declared Isaiah 61 over him to, to start off his ministry. Then he goes and make a, makes a discourse before a large group of people. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. One of the things that he was talking about is that he was proclaiming the onset, the coming of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. So how are we to understand this? We're familiar with this language, but how are we to understand this? When we talk about kingdom, you think change of administration is the context that Jesus is using here. You know what change of administration is? A restaurant is, say, is saying, we're closed for a week, change of administration. Basically, some things that are going to be happening, the way that things are run, they're not going to stay the same. The value system is going to change. For a particular fast food, we're going to take your mo- Before we used to take your money first before giving you your goods, that's going to reverse. And this is what uh, Jesus was, was telling them. The, the status quo will be broken. It will shift. The old, the old way is law, performance, religion. There's a new thing that's coming. And he gives it by way of trailer. You know what a trailer does for you? I, I don't know what, what, what you're looking for. Maybe in June, Jurassic World, if you're into dinosaurs and that kind of thing, or Star Wars in December or something. You, you're probably watching the, the, the two-minute uh, trailer and it just stirs something in you. And at the same time, it frustrates you because it's so short. And you, you wish you could just go there and watch it already. 
It's the same effect. The trailer. He speaks in a tone that addresses not where they are, but of where they should be. He presumes that grace had already been given. He gives a picture of how biblical relationships in the kingdom would be acted out like. You would see devout Jews who are just doing their best to be the heads and not the tail, to do everything that they can, just dotting their I's and crossing their T's so that they can be accepted and forgiven by God. They are frustrated because religion can never accomplish what Jesus had been describing to them. And their hearts are attesting to this. Original hearers, they were confused about this. But today, Christians today, makes it so relevant to us, doesn't it? It's already speaking to us what is proper for God's people because we are God's children. So how, how do kingdom relationships look like? So let me tell you, it's just one interrelated set of radically changed relationships. What am I talking about? New relationships between God, okay, you and God, a relationship with yourself, hopefully this will make sense in a, in a few minutes, and relationship with others. And all of these things flow from one another. It's not the kind of deal that you just have one, you're good with God, you sing, while you sing, you cry, and out there, you're indifferent to the rest of society, you don't have... You don't. Uh, live in community with other believers, and you don't reach out with the good news of the gospel, it doesn't quite cut it. You need, ha- you need to have all of them. That's why we read in um, Matthew five twenty three to 24, if you're offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, offering your gift, you're saying, I'm in good conscience with God. But then you remember something's amiss with one of your relationships. It's not that you offended your brother. Wait a minute, I think he got offended by me. If that is amiss, says, it continues, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Can you say go? You go first. And to do what? Be reconciled to your brother because it's an interconnected whole. And this is what kingdom relationships look like. You following me so far? Love your, your neighbor, hate your enemy. This is what today's passage, passage is, ano, is uh, giving, uh, is starting with... Uh, this is the very first line that we started the passage that we read uh, tonight. It's uh, predominantly what teachers of the law can... Uh, can sorry, I need, I need some water. Time out. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Love your enemy, hate your neighbor. We started our passage tonight by reading this, and this is not exactly from Scripture. And you have a clue by what... What introduced this particular teaching? It said, you've heard it, you've heard it said. If it were talking about Scripture, Jesus would have said, it is written. Okay? So this is something that had been uh, widely accepted in the, in the Jewish culture of, of the day. Let's look at love your neighbor first. This first part is from Scripture. This is actually the law of relationships for Christians even till today. We, we read it from Leviticus 19. And one of the things that it does say is... God never commands us to hate our neighbor, including our enemies. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. If you have a, any beef with somebody, you go talk to him. If not, you're going to be doing something that's probably going to end up gossiping slander, okay? lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or even bear a grudge. We'll get to that in a bit. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the first part is from Scripture. 
What about the second part? Hate your enemy. Okay? The, same, the same part in, in, our, in our hearts that agree to the, to the many things that I've presented to you from culture, the, the, many, the, the parts in our lives that agree. You know what? That's, that's, that's right to put, our, our, to put uh, justice into our own hands. It's right to get even. These are the very same motive that the Jewish people had in insisting that the converse is true. Hate your enemies, the reverse of love your neighbor. Okay? It's so convenient for us to, as long as it's written, it's validated, it's, it's ratified, it's official, it's law, we can do whatever we want. Okay? Love your neighbor from Scripture. The converse, make it true, and that's exactly what happened. You know, sinful hearts have a way of justifying the things that would make things convenient for us to do and, and go about what we want to do in our lives. Okay? So love your enemy, hate your Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Over time, it had become something that had been accepted in their culture. And big problems uh, arose. So love your enemies. Today, what does it mean for us? It's widely accepted as something that's noble and it's ideal. Because it's thought of as something that would... I mean, if just people could do this, many of the world's problems will be solved. The world would benefit. The world needs it. If only it were possible. It's like a legend. It's like a myth. It's widely accepted, but it's also widely rejected. Why? Because it's too high. It's too lofty. Possibly bayan mekaya banyan. It's impractical. It's unrealistic. But Jesus says, not only is this possible, this should be the mark of the Christian who is living in the kingdom. So this is where we are. I think it would be helpful if we identified our enemies first. To your mind and mine, probably obvious. People, we're the good, good fellows here. We're the good people here. Every, every one of them that are wanting to harm us and abuse us, they're the bad people. They have, they're the ones who have the issue. So let's put that in writing. People who'd wrong us and harm us. These are our enemies, Right? When we say enemies, these are the people that probably come to your mind. Right? People who mean us ill. They are the people who victimize us because there's something wrong in them. We are victims, our abusers, our slanderers, our detractors, our gossipers. I agree that, that, that this uh, set of enemies that we need to deal with. Is there a second set? Are there a second group of people apart from these people? It's not so obvious, but it flows from the scriptures. There is. Could it be? Could it be that something's wrong in us and we're victimizing them? We might not think that they're enemies, but they sure think that we're treating them like enemies. Could that be a possibility? Let me put a finger on this. People whom we view as inferior to us. Hopefully this will make sense and bring some embarrassment in the way that we talk, the way that we speak, the way that we talk down to people. So this is our agenda today. They are victims because something's terribly wrong in us. So first, are you following me? We'll go into the first of our three points. Loving our enemies flows from a radically changed self-image. This needs some explaining. Self-image is how we view ourselves. And because of our sin, the default is that we think too much of ourselves. That's our fault. We think that we're superior, that the world 
revolves around us. We look at the mirror, we see something different, something grand. That it's not really reality. There's a word that comes to this that might make sense to all of us. It's called pride. Can you say pride? It's all in, in all of us. You're looking down your nose on others as if fundamentally, I am more important than you are. The world revolves around me. Think about the circumstances that you become impatient. Think about the circumstances when your temper, you know the temper that you have, gets shorter and shorter, gets worse and worse. What triggers that? Is it something wrong that they're doing? Or could it be something that's wrong in your hearts? Maybe it's something that it's, it's service that they're not doing. They're not doing their job. Or you, it's, you're, you're being inconvenienced. Get out of the left lane. It's for fast people like me. Is there really something wrong about them? Maybe it's their first day driving. Surely you didn't, you didn't get born knowing how to drive already. You had a first day also. Maybe their car wasn't up to it. Or couldn't we give them the benefit of the doubt? But no. Our heart of hearts, the default that we are superior, that the world revolves around us, cannot risk to give the benefit of the doubt. We need to talk down to them. And they feel that we treat them as enemies. If you make a career out of this, this will become like a God complex. These people are usually just angry and grumpy all the time. Do you know any people like that? No, don't raise your hand. Who among you are like that? Good thing is we're talking about it now. Usually grumpy all the time at absolutely everyone. Let's pick up from the very first sub-passage that we, uh, we, we wrote and uh, that we read. You have heard that it was said, okay? you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. It's talking about murder, and then look what he does. But, what I, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Hello, murder, and then why the shift to anger? Are you equating murder and anger? That's a bit unfair, don't you think? Let's, let's see how, how, how this happens. The Greek, uh, you know that the, the New Testament wasn't written in English. Jesus wasn't uh, Caucasian. Right? Angry is written in original language. It's an original language. It's Greek, and the original language says it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. It's a progressive thing that happens. Think distaste to distrust aversion, to resentment, to bitterness, to I can't believe that he's breathing the same air I'm breathing wala siya karapatang umite. It's that kind of progression. I can't believe that he's here. Sira na agad ang buhay mo. It's that kind. The seed is there. Think of it as a seed. It's not a seed that we Filipinos are, are familiar with, but it's it's nice. <laughs> the picture is nice. It's an acorn seed. It's a seed. Hey, it'll, it'll do. Hey, do you know that in this seed is a whole tree? Right? And all of the fruit in that tree. And if all of that fruit in that tree would fall and grow, the whole forest is in that seed. Think about it. This, this fruit, this, this seed, that tree is in it. Not only that, the whole forest behind it is in that. So the difference between the seed and the tree is not a qualitative 
difference. It's like a father and son. You're like flesh and blood. You're basically the same thing. The difference is quantitative. The difference is that of degree. One is in seed form. The other one has grown. Anger doesn't just lead to grump, grumpiness. It can lead to murder. The difference between a grumpy neighbor and people who are serving a double life in Muntinlupa is because they've taken care of it. You've taken care of it. How does that, that seed grow? You put it in good soil. You let sunshine, appropriate sunshine, and fertilizer, and you water it, and it will bloom. And this is exactly what happens when we linger on, on things that are happening to us. You remember that time that you're, maybe something happened that you can't live with and you're, you're, you're lying awake in bed and you're, you're rehearsing these things, replaying these things and hoping that you could have done so much more to hurt this person. Sayang, dapat ito yung ginawa mo. Yung ginawa ko. Then you fall asleep. That's, watch out. That's the root of bitterness taking root. That's what Ephesians 4.26 says. Do not let the sun go down on your anger you would not let, uh, want that to happen. You put it in the right conditions and it will grow to a point that you, you, there's, it, it's almost too late to do something about it. I have this friend. Uh, he came from the States and he came here. You know the traffic here in the Philippines. Let's be honest. Okay, let's chat. It's not something to be proud of, right? It's not something to be proud of. It's just something to, to be pray, prayerful about, to contribute. Just drive within the speed limit. Drive in your lane. Don't drive like a maniac or something. It's something. Just drive with discipline. But this particular person, is, he, he's Pinoy and he's living in the Philippines. And he comes and, una, he hates Philippine traffic. He hates Philippine traffic in the summer. Then he, he, he hates undisciplined drivers. I mean, valid. But, I mean, Gone, gone unchecked, he has now put his finger on the, the, the real people at fault, the MMDA. Then the government. Then he hates the nation. Then he hates all of the Filipinos, all the while living in the Philippines. Do you see how miserable this person is? All because you've taken care of it and you did not drill down deep enough to find out, detect it, fix it. This can happen to that temper. This can happen to that looking down on your, your nose at somebody. Hopefully, we can get a little bit practical. Something's wrong with our hearts, even as Christians. I'm a pastor, and I submit to you that even as a pastor, there are things in my heart that my Lord is still working on. I am a work in progress. Okay? Um, my wife was sick, and uh, I needed to rush home. And I was parked right there in front of uh, Las Paellas. And someone was double parked had the blinkers on, okay? and then I was rushing, and I was tired. It had been a long day, and, then, and my wife's sick, and she's been, I've been calling her, and she can't answer. You know the things that they're going around, not anxiety, but concern. And it's, okay, relax, relax, relax. And prou- finally, this guy comes. I was ready to erupt. And he says, Pastor, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it happens to the best of us. Okay? I mean, I have many more stories like that, but... I pray, I mean, it's valid that you think about the people you don't know who's watching, but I pray that you would be very, very aware that this thing is inert in us. It is there. It's sleeping. If you put it in the right conditions, it will grow. It will bring bad results. So we need to fix it because if not, it will surely, slowly, but surely grow. 
Okay, next part is, um, but I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to judgment. Uh, this is in the ESV, but in, the, in another translation, it s- spells out the Aramaic word. Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, and this is interesting. Raka means worthless. So culturally, this means you nobody. You nobody. You inconsequential, non-person you. You shouldn't even be breathing air, just taking up space. We consider them insignificant. We consider them, then we marginalize them. Then we discriminate them because we think that we are better than them. You might not articulate it in this way, but you sure sound like it. You know how, how we sound? Hindi mo ba ako nakikilala? Sino ka ba? Nasan ba manager mo? Kaya kong bilin yung sweldo mo? You know where that's coming from? It's in all of us. And we need to be aware of this. We've done something like this. Roll our eyes at somebody. Please, I am so much, I'm out of your league. I am not worthy of, of wasting my time on you. You are less important than me. You know what exclusive groups are? Cliques? Hey? Uh, it, it can happen everywhere. Athletes, musicians, executives, the in crowd. Hey? You could be that executive impenetrable group marginalizing everybody. You'd rather be caught dead than be identified with, with that particular person. Right? Or you, you might be avoiding particular people because that's, that's not the person that you'd want to be seen with. You know where that, that's coming from. It's a superiority con, uh, complex. I wish I could tell you that this, doesn't help, that this doesn't happen in church, but it does. I'm part of this particular ushering team, the best team that serves ganito. I'm, I'm part of the music team. And God forbid, we're Christians. Let's not associate with, with, with those heathen unbelievers. I pray that that doesn't happen. But it does. It's in us. We need to fix it. We need to detect it. We need to believe the grace of God to fix this in us. Last part. So that's Raka, you worthless, you, you nobody. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. You fool is moros in the Greek, and that's where we get the word moron. And you have a multitude, a plethora of words to equate with moron. There's idiot, there's, there's uh, stupid, and you fill in the Tagalog words. The words that you usually spew out when you're driving or things are not going our way. What this is saying, I mean, these people, for example, um, you fool, you idiot, you're, you're, you're supposed to be doing your job and you are inconveniencing me. I am so used, I paid good money to be, to, to be served in a timely manner. It's not her fault that the, eight, that, that the cash register jammed. She's just doing her job. If it were up to her, this thing wouldn't happen. And we're, we're needing, because of our sinful hearts and our superiority complex, we need somebody to blame. We're telling you, you're the person. It's, it's too bad that you're in that position because I'm going to blame you. And this is not fair at all. Do you agree? So what all of this is saying is the sin of scorn. Can you say scorn? Scorn, mapagmata. Looking at somebody below you 
thinking that they're inferior because they're, they're working a blue-collar job. They're just helping you in the house. They're, 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 look at what you're wearing and look at what I'm wearing. This doesn't please God. And this is the source of many, many bigger problems in society. Sin of scorn is eating up our ability to love. What is love? Ba? Philippians 2 verse 3 says, To consider uh, the, the needs of others more significant than yours. To, to consider others more significant than you are. Love is considering their needs more significant than your own needs, that you're willing to sacrifice to meet their needs. If you have scorn, you're looking down at somebody, you do not have the ability to love. It eats up at that. I mean, I mean not everybody can be as intelligent as you. It's true. Not everybody can be as mature, as sophisticated, as, as mature, as cultured as you. But it's not a reason to humiliate anybody made in the image and likeness of God. Are you following me? Road rage, clearest, clearest picture of something that's gone out of control. And I'm even preaching to every single person in this room that have, can, can relate to something like this, including myself. What do we explain? Um, can't we just give them the benefit of the doubt while they're driving so fast? Maybe there's an emergency. While they're driving so slow, maybe it's her first week of driving. Maybe, maybe the car isn't up to it. When we're Christians, we need to be in this position of compassion that gives the benefit of the doubt. Because Romans says, when we're Christians, there is nothing to be boastful about. For example, no, no um, disrespect intended. If, you, if you're homeless and you, you can't take a bath, you know what I'm talking about, and you're hungry and you're losing your mind, and a van pulls up and gives you bread, gives you monai, more than you can eat, eat all you can monai. Okay? And then you eat, whoa! Do you go back to your homeless friends and say, Nyeh, 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 nyeh. I have bread. I am so much. From now on, you answer to me. <laughs> it's just, you, someone just gave you bread. It's not something that you, it's for free. You didn't work for it. You couldn't work for it. It's just by someone's mercy and compassion for you, the best opportunity that we have is there's bread. It's a van full of bread. It's free. I don't know who this guy is. I have the privilege of showing you. Come, let's run, let's run. You see where I'm going with this? When we're Christians, there is nothing to be boastful about. There is something to be thankful about. We have a unique position of dignity and humility. Humility because salvation, we do not earn salvation. Dignity because all of it has been paid for by Jesus Christ. So you do not walk with a swagger, but you do not walk with a limp as well. Position of dignity. Jesus tells of this encounter. A Pharisee was praying in the synagogue, and this is how he sounds. And this is what a disproportionate view of oneself sounds like. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Really? You're boasting about what you're able to do? Before a holy God, the God of inexhaustible resource, and this tax collector, hear him out. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I have no requirements. I have nothing to give you. If you do not rescue me, I'm dead. What do you think pleases God more? No. What do you think pleases God? One of them pleases God, one of them doesn't please God. 
what we're really talking about here is a radically changed self-image. So that's our point, first point. Flows from a radically changed self-image. And I promise you, points two and three will flow from this. will be quicker. Loving our enemies leaves the door open to reconciliation. Let me review verse 38 for you. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right, give him the other also. Talk about eye for an eye. This is the law of retaliation that God had provided. If you want to look it up, it's in Deuteronomy 19, starting at chapter, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 19, starting at verse 15. Um, this, had been, this had been put forth because that same desire in each of us to take matters into our own hands was the same in the Old Testament Jews. Right? If someone kills their cow, he wants to burn their farm. You know what you watch in the Chinese movies? You killed my poodle. I want to kill your master. It's disproportionate. This law is to protect that. It ensures that the, 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 the judges were there. They, they want to make a, a, a careful investigation to find out the, the fault, to ensure that justice is rolled out, to ensure that what needs to be paid will be paid, not disproportionately. The law, of, the law of retaliation is very good. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. It's very good. But as good as this is, this should not be our law for relationships. The law for relationships, we read it in Luke, in Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself, including your enemies. When you think about it, this is also what the government is for. Romans 13 verses 1 to 4 tells that the government is God's servant, God's agent to protect the righteous. The government is there to serve us. It's for us. So when it comes to that, regardless of uh, some varying degrees, if you need to resort to what the government has to offer, there's nothing unchristian about that. But here's my point. The government will need to take justice in their hands. The individual should not take justice into their own hands. Otherwise, if you do that, that would be a crime. It was the same then as it is now. So that's, that's my, point, my, my point here. But, but let's go to what, what actually transpires here. This is a slap. This is actually a face-off for a fight. And these are fighters. They can knock each other out. If you want to knock somebody out, you, you don't slap him. A slap is an insult. That's a... A spit at your honor and your dignity. In their culture, in Jesus' culture, I mean, there wasn't a handshake. A handshake is probably, it was in, probably invented by the knights to show that I come in peace, I don't have a hidden weapon. Right? But in that day, they kiss one another. Okay? They kiss one another. You go to the Middle East right now, the, they, they kiss one another man to man on the cheek. The French do it three times, alternate cheeks. Okay? It's a culture in a particular part of the world. And this is what it means. But this is how we sometimes sound when we are faced with, uh, with a situation like this. If someone uh, does something to us, you will say, never again will I give you a chance to do this. Um, you've dishonored me, that annoys me, and uh, I'm going to cut you off. I will have nothing more to do with you. Forget it. The relationship is over. You have just closed the door on, rela- on restoration, on reconciliation. And that's, if, you're, if we're honest, we've heard ourselves speak in this tone, speak in this way, speak these very words ourselves. But slapping you on one cheek and leaving the other cheek open 
is saying that a Christian should never, never, ever close the door for reconciliation. Here's how it sounds like. Hey, what, what you did was wrong. I'm out for your best interests. And because I'm out for your best interests, I will not let you sin, to me, sin against me anymore because that wouldn't be good for you. But anytime you've slapped this cheek, but anytime that you want to come and kiss this one, I'm up for it. If you want to talk, talk about this and perhaps restore our relationship to a, to a decent level, I'm up for it. I'm not closing anything. We should be in this position as Christians. Jesus did this. When he was struck, if, if you struck me, you bear witness to the fault. If I'm right, why do you hit me? Paul in Acts 22 was being flogged. Wait a minute, he appealed to Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. Isn't there a law that speaks, that speaks against flogging of Roman citizens? It's right for you to, to appeal to the law, not to tolerate injustice, but leave the door for reconciliation open. Money, Mayweather, and Pacquiao. Uh, you know the bickering that's been happening in Twitter. It's probably all a show, but some of it's probably true, especially many years back. But do you know what Pacquiao wanted to happen after fight? Pacquiao wants to take Mayweather to Bible study. That's opening the door of restoration for you. Okay? Uh, after the fight, I have, if I have a chance, I can share the gospel, I can share the word of God. That's for, purposefulness for us. I pray that this will be the mark of our own lives as well. When I say the word enemies, there's a face, there's a name that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your consciousness. Before we end tonight, I'd really want to have an opportunity to see what the Lord does as we lift this relation, these relationships up. But before we move on to the last point, let me tell you that as a Christian, regardless of the situation that has gone bad, we take initiative. Okay? Whether tayo yung agrabiado o tayo yung agrabiado, whether we were the offended party or we are the party that had offended them, we take the initiative. Let me remind you of Matthew 5. If you remember that your brother or something against you, wait a minute, I forgot or I must have missed it. It looks like I offended him. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. Can you say go? Go where? Be reconciled to your brother because you offended him. The shoe is on on the other foot. Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, say go. Go, you go. You still go. If you think that somebody has something against you, you go. If you, if you have offended somebody, if they've offended you, you still go. Regardless of the situation, it can't be simpler than this. You, Christian, you go. You go after relationship. You go after some kind of uh, agreement that you can fix this. No slamming of the door in any relationship. I mean, there are various uh, situations that have that are of a degree that is very, very uh, difficult. There might be exceptions to this rule, but generally, generally, we do not leave, we leave the door for reconciliation open. A Christian's commitment is to preserve, preserve relationships. So that's second point, last point. The motivation for this is doing this reflects the grace of God we have received. You call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a child of God, you need to, do, to be doing these things. You need to be doing unnatural things to the eyes of a watching world. These things are unnatural. 
it stirs something up in their consciousness to the understanding that, wait a minute, if there is a God, this person knows Him. Because that's not normal. That's unnatural. This is what brings, this is what should be marking our lives, loving our neighbor. And Jesus uses the worst of the worst, the enemies. Love this person, you're going to love the whole bunch of them, including your family, your friends, your wife, your kids, the, 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 the pedestrian, everybody. Regardless of the situation, God's grace would enable us to do this. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is hard. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. You probably spent that time of um, thinking, replaying a particular scenario. Or even if that scenario hadn't happened, you're imagining that there's a debate between you and this other person that you are not uh, friends with. And many people are watching. And you're winning. And you're humiliating him. And they're cheering for you. Right? Ako lang ba yun? Oh, sige, ako lang. Ako lang masama dito eh. Okay? So, I've imagined this, okay? And it's not coming from a, a good place. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. What we should do is we should pray for these people. Otherwise, we'd be, we'd be planting a root of bitterness that you wouldn't want to be reaping soon. Let me, let me just make a clarification here. So that you may be sons of your father. In the original language, it doesn't, when you read it in the English, it's like, when you do this, you're going to earn sonship. No, it, in the original language, it's, you, are, uh, you are actualizing what you already are. Right? When you do this, you will be known as, you will be seen as, you will be recognized as what you really are, children of God. That's how it should, it's, it's working. And what's different, what's, what they find is different in us is that we pray for them. Pray for those who persecute us. How does this work out? Hey, um, so-and-so did, said so, you, you did so-and-so, and, and uh, you did this, you beat this, and everybody's talking about it. How are you going to uh, deal with that? Probably so along the lines of, oh, really? Um, I, I didn't see that in his character. I, I, I had the impression he was a great guy. I think he, he's actually a guy that you could trust. You know what? I could, I could talk to him and clear this out. It, it should be no problem. Giving him the benefit of the doubt. You know what that does? It just disperses. It just, it just eradicates any tension that might have built, built up or any tension that was hoped for. Instead of doing this, we need to pray for them. We need to find strength and bless whenever there's an opportunity. Find strength in them. Find something uh, praiseworthy about them and bless them. And in your private moment, you pray. How do you pray? Lord, kunin mo na siya. Or, come, can, I, can, I, can I tell you something? Even as a Christian, that's kind of getting old. Don't you think? It's kind of getting old. Tama na. How do you pray for them? God, would you move in them? God, would you heal them? God, would you deliver them? Would you stir them? Would you help them? God, would you save them? I'm not probably the best person to do this, but Lord, I'm here. I'll tell them about you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I pray that you would put yourself in that particular situation and do these things in private and in public. In public, you find strength about them. You counter that spirit by saying, that guy's a great guy. I'm going to talk to him. It should be no problem. And in your private time before God, pleading to the Lord. Because that person, God treasures so much. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, He loves that, those people around you so much 
That he put you right smack in the middle of them as, as, as an ambassador for Christ. Making an, an appeal to them. Be reconciled to God. Love your enemies. This is what the world says. The world attacks you, you attack back. The world blesses you, you bless back. Jesus says, somebody hates you, you do good. Somebody curses you, you bless. Somebody abuses you, you pray for them. But why? Why do we do it? This will come at the realization, wait a minute. I was once an enemy. And these things, these things, they are meant for me. They are meant to punish me. It's not meant to be cruel to me. It's meant to give me what I deserve. Because he is a holy God. But the good thing is, and this is what the gospel says, somebody took this from you. Romans 5 verse 18. Those, your, those, those were your, our crosses. Those were our thorns. Those were our nails. Those were our tears that Jesus cried. Romans 8, 5 verse 8. For God shows his love for us that in that while we were still, Sinners, Christ died for us. As sinners, we had nothing but hate for God. But what he did for us, he gave love in response to our hate. In verse 10, while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to, to God by the death of his son. We're, we're, we're ending now. And this is the motivation for the Christian. Though God could have and should have punished us, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. They mocked him, and he said nothing. They slapped his face, they beat him up, they cursed him, he blessed. They abused him, he prayed, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And before breathing his last, I believe that he, he mentioned the most important phrase in all of scripture, it is finished. What is finished? Him taking on the wrath of God so that we can be forgiven, loved, and accepted by God so that He can send the Holy Spirit to empower us to live in this way that we've just been talking about. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the only motivation. This is the only power that can give us a change in our, in our self-image that can empower us to love even the most unlovable because we have been loved when we did not, did not deserve it. Only this, the gospel, can create a servant heart from hearts that have been otherwise been prideful and hard. Main point is this, understanding the love of God for us in Christ not just enables us, it compels us to love our enemies. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.